Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the Win Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. When words fail, music speaks. Interview. Hey, everybody! I am your favorite handicapped host and my almighty co-host, Brosley. I'm James, and that's Brosley. What's up? What's up? Hello. Yeah. So uh, you're in for a really good treat here at When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast. Our next guest uploaded her first YouTube video on on April 10th, 2012 with a sales link of, of sleepers. With 94 videos on her YouTube channel to date, you can find lessons on how to sing from her, covers, and even blogs. She is a lead singer of two amazing bands, the metal band Red Hand in the Nile and the almighty metalcore band Crazy 88. On July 24, 2020, which was last week, she released her first pop EP, Silence is the Only Sound, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lauren Babbick. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, hi, how you doing? I'm great. How good. are you guys? I'm good. Awesome. I'm good. Awesome. Yeah, Lauren, it's awesome to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I love podcasts, so this is uh, really exciting for me. Cool, cool. Great. Have you done any podcasts before? I have. I've done. Or... Yeah, I've done a few, and uh, they never get old because it's uh, it's just so much fun to talk to different people. Yeah. Before we got on this podcast, um, we talked about uh, you're you're an avid coffee drinker. Oh yes. Yes. I uh, I am addicted to coffee. Yeah. Um, Same. Probably, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are, but um, yeah, I love, I love coffee. Right. It's my lifeblood. It's your life, yeah, yeah mine too. Um, yeah, absolutely. Blake, Blake, can you tell her a story about your uh, about your uh, famous coffee incident that you had way back when? My famous coffee incident? Yeah, that was the the Death Wish coffee. The Death Wish coffee. Oh yeah. man. Um. So yes. Uh. This is a this is a great story. So my wife, um, got, I think we, we I don't think we were even engaged at this point. Uh, but for Valentine's Day, uh, have you ever have you ever had Death Wish coffee, Lauren? I've heard about it. I've actually seen it um, around social media. So yeah. I have seen it. <laughs> I got you. So they make uh, there's there's one in particular uh, blend they have called Valhalla Java. Okay. And, uh, my, my now wife, uh, we, we really got hooked on that stuff. Um, sh- shortly after we started dating Valentine's day rolls around and she found out that you can buy a five pound bag of it. 
so she bought a five pound bag of Valhalla Java, and whenever it got uh, shipped in, there was a hole in the bag. Mm. Um, so she let them know, and she said, "Hey, uh, you know, there, I, I ordered this. There's a hole in the bag," and they said, "Don't worry about sending it back. Just keep that. We'll send you another one for free." So we ended up having ten pounds of all mm-hmm. Java that uh, had that it lasted us a long time, ever. right? Yeah, yeah, forever. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of hoping that she makes another purchase like that soon, <laughs> with the hopes that it comes with a hole in the bag. And I'm not even worried about someone like tampering with the bag, just as long as it's got a hole in it. And then we can grab another five, and we'll be all set. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. What is the weirdest or funniest question you've ever been asked on on an interview? Um, I mm. I think many people like to get um like the craziest tour story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one time someone asked if we liked mayo, and I was just like, <laughs> "That's the most random mayo question I've mayonnaise? ever received." Yes, they were like, do you like mayo? And I was just like, uh, sure, I don't have anything against mayo. (laughs) James, remind me, we're going to have to edit out number 14 uh, of of these notes then, because that's going to be really embarrassing. Anyway, we'll move. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So can you tell us what your earliest music memory is? Um. It was a long time ago. I think I was probably maybe two years old. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty lucky because my parents, they kind of knew that I was really drawn to music. So they signed me up for like these baby classes, I guess. And I just have this memory of me like sitting in the circle and I was just playing a rain stick. And like that was yeah. a very vivid memory for me. It's probably too. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, if I ever come across somebody that has a rain stick, it's just, it's so addictive. I, so I totally get it. And, uh, I play drums. So anytime there's any type of percussion instrument mm-hmm. around, you just naturally just <laughs> kind of gravitate towards it. And, uh, got a friend of mine in town here who has a studio and he has like the nicest rain stick I've ever seen. Nice. Um, like it's totally legit. It looks like Dave Matthews or somebody has like uses this on tour or something. And uh it's just it's so soothing and so fun yeah. at the same time. So I totally get Definitely. that. Okay, I'm I, I am confused about what a rain stick is. I never so heard of it. So it's just before. uh it's it's just a stick that has like beads in it or something, uh that when you tilt it upside down, uh it just or right side up. Um, it just creates this rain effect. Oh, nice! And uh, yeah, so it's pretty. It's pretty neat. Okay, I'll have to check into that. Yeah. Uh, well, so so, what kind of music did you grow up listening to? Um, I grew up listening to, I guess, the music that my parents exposed me to, mm-hmm. and then eventually, obviously, like I developed my own music taste. But I think when I was really young, I grew up with a lot of. Um, Frank Sinatra. I grew up with a lot of Motown, a lot of classical music because I was playing um, piano at the time and 
a lot of classic rock. So I, I was exposed to a lot of different styles mm. and it kind of grew into this love for, for heavier music when I got a little bit older, like in my, in my early teens, I guess. Right. Sure. Well, yeah. I, I, I always say if, if you don't like Frank Sinatra, you have no soul. <laughs> that's, that's a, you know, that's the, that's the guy, you know, you can't. He's the guy mm, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when did you know that you wanted to sing for a living? Oh, that was much later. I w- much later. Okay. I didn't start singing until I was seventeen, and oh, okay. I I usually say this in every podcast, but and people I don't think people know this, but um, I didn't start singing publicly until the day I joined Red Handed Denial which was when I was 17. So I, w- I was always singing privately and right. I never sang in front of people because I was too shy. Right. <laughs> and then the the day I auditioned for Red Handed was the, di- the first time I sang in front of someone. So wow. that was like a really big moment for me and it was really scary. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I don't think I I knew that I wanted to sing for a living until like... 2015 like it was a lot later like I didn't think it could be sustainable for me like I was kind of I I didn't really think it was something that I could make money on or or make a living on so that was a lot later cool yeah it's usually like the, uh, the you know you always hear stories about singers or whatever that uh they sing in talent competitions and you know it seems like they always have the same story like well i was you know like three or four and i sang such and such or, or you know everyone around here grew up singing in church so it's just, that's like the first thing out of it well i grew yeah. up singing in church you know it's just normally how it goes so that's interesting that uh you're not you're you haven't been a public singer very long that's cool yeah i i was even too nervous to sing in choirs um yeah. like in in yeah. school um, and I know like church is very different in Canada. Like we don't have, um, like a church every, you know, square mile, but, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think like church culture is nearly as big, um, in Canada, but, um, I just wouldn't even sing in groups. So I was way yeah. too shy. So, uh, going back on the shyness, what, what got you over that hump of not being shy anymore to, to be to, to sing for a heavy metal band? I don't think I necessarily got over the hump when okay. I started. Like, I kind of just threw myself in and kind of forced myself. Well, sometimes that, um, that sometimes that's yeah. the best thing to do, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't think, I think if I would have waited um, for myself to not have nerves, right. then I'd never. I never would have started singing at all. Like, I think there is always some sort of nerve when a singer has to sing. I don't think there's ever a moment where we don't experience some sort of insecurity because it's like, it's a very unique instrument per se. Right. Um, So was there any any particular artist or band that inspired you to start singing yeah there were a few i i don't think i knew i wanted to start singing until i started listening to bands like under oath 
and yeah. Great, my, band. great band. Yeah. yeah, and My Chemical Romance and The Used. Yeah, um, those were yes. like my those, three. <laughs> those were all Blake's, Brosley's favorite bands. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah, you're really speaking my language here. <laughs> and yeah, that was around you know 2001, 2002, 2003. Like, mm-hmm. I I would listen to those bands, and I you know I was 13. 12 13 years old really young and you know you listen to this music and you're like this is incredible this moves me and i i've just fell in love with the idea of of heavy music and i didn't know that i would have ever been a singer even when i was 13 but um yeah i was mostly from those three bands i would say and i'm probably missing a few but those three definitely and they all have such unique singing styles like each each band um Mm -hmm. whether it's the aggressive part of it or the clean vocals it's it's very they vary so especially bert from the used like Mm -hmm. his just that post-hardcore scene that started exploding around that time um you know he came out and just to me blew everybody else out of the water because he sang at such a high pitch and and then like when he when when he would scream it was just like chaotic mm-hmm. and it, there's something about that just i just gravitated towards that and uh the used was definitely one of my favorite bands for a long time so yeah, that's too. awesome that is awesome well did you uh so did you kind of teach yourself or did you take lessons or anything um, I was completely self-taught. Um, I kind of figured my way around my voice with trial and error mm-hmm. and just kind of mimicking my favorite vocalists. And it wasn't until very recently that I actually started working with a vocal coach, which was this year. So I would say like up until 2020, I was completely self-taught and mostly like just going by, um, you know, videos that we watch on youtube mm-hmm. yeah getting getting tips from friends um but i i had never had a formal vocal lesson until this year so i think i think that's pretty interesting <laughs> mm. so is it like your your vocal coach um do they work with you with both the singing and the screaming um adia mostly works with me for singing because mm. there aren't many um, vocal coaches out there that actually tackle screaming. Right. I think just due to the nature of it, it's it's not exactly advised right. from <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. formal vocal coaches. But <laughs> there are ways, there are definitely ways to do it in a healthy way. And I've yeah. kind of spent a lot of time just learning the anatomy of of singing and and developing a, a screaming style that is not. Um, detrimental to our vocal cords and like i've just done a lot of research on it and talked to so many people about it yeah and that's that's hard to do because i mean going back to bert that i mean that's what happened to him he he ruined his uh his ability to scream i don't think he even does it anymore i think you know uh what's his name jeff that plays bass in the used i think he Mm kind of took over all that and uh Bert just sing, sticks with the the clean stuff now, but you, you hear about that so much from that that time frame as well. A lot of bands like that. Um, Sonny Moore, 
um, mm-hmm. whenever he was in from first to last. For those of you who don't know, but you know who Skrillex is, the same guy. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm. um, he, yeah, I think he ruined his voice. The same thing, oh, just time, young kid, time. you know, out there, not really sure what they were doing, and then just completely blow their vocal cords out. Um, but uh, I, I've seen there. I'm not sure what it's called, but I, there's a documentary out there about a vocal coach that works with all these heavy metal singers, and uh, and she's taught everybody, you know, like most it, across, it, yeah. It's just it's and it's incredible to see because you think it's just you just get up there and yell, and that's not really it. There's a there's an art to it, and uh, it's just yeah, it's so cool. Me. It's so cool to watch. Yeah. So. uh Knowing what you know now of uh, of of your time being a singer and touring with these amazing bands, uh, what skills have you learned now that have helped you in your singing career? Um, I I like to sort of like classify two different worlds of singing, and I would say like there's the studio side of it, and there's also the live side of it. Yeah. So right. I think there's like there's like different mindsets that we have to have depending on what context we're in. And, you know, some people gravitate towards one over the other. Like I know people who really prefer the live setting over a studio setting. So there are definitely different things I've learned about each context. Right. And I would say like touring and, and live it, it has such a, a mental toll and I would say like it's almost more of a mental game than anything because you have to have that resilience to be able to play every day and every night and and regardless of how you're feeling the show must go on so that's like a huge part of it and I would say for any singers out there that want to tour Make sure that you sleep. That's the sleep my main. And do yeah. a lot of coffee, right? <laughs> and make sure you drink tons of water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially Every chance that you have to sleep, take it. Right. <laughs> now, now I, I have heard that uh, that uh, singers, um, uh, you know, various singers do uh, honey water. Have you tried that? Oh, yeah. And does that work? Um, Hot, hot water and honey and lemon okay. is really great. Okay. Yeah. That's where, yeah, okay, yeah, and that's just good to drink by itself, right? Too, right? oh, yeah, especially yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. honey, honey's a great, yeah, yeah, or if you have allergies, I've learned that. Uh, <laughs> over the past few months, my allergies have been wild, and Me it's like the worst, yeah. the worst time of the year, and like, and then COVID's all over the place, so you're like. You have to explain to people it's just my allergies and it's really yeah. bad. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm it's at like the I'm... grocery store and I'm like, I'm sneezing in my mask and yep. I, I have yeah. to like publicly announce, like, it's allergies. Yeah. I don't have COVID. So I definitely understand the hot lemon, honey, citrus, water, just tea, everything. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, you know, you can go to a Starbucks and I think it's called a medicine ball. Um, that oh, you can order yes. it's like, have you ever had that? I love that. I drink that it's all so the good. time. It's so good. So good. So if there's a day where I'm really 
congested or my allergies are flaring up or whatever it's it, you know order online go through the drive through snag it real quick and just hope that it puts a dent in whatever you're <laughs> facing that day mm-hmm. <laughs> well um what would you say what kind of singer would you classify yourself as or like would you is there is there another singer out there that you would say i i kind of uh, i'm kind of similar to how they sing or i sound like so and so uh, i there's so many like i draw influences from so many singers mm-hmm. but i would say adam gontier if like Adam Gontier had a baby with like Spencer Chamberlain, <laughs> okay, because, yeah. because like and like everyone says I I sound like Kellen Quinn's female counterpart, but I I literally don't see that I, I don't know like I don't see that but um yeah like I I've drawn so much influence from Adam Gontier with um just like the raspy singing style yeah and. Yeah. Um, I've really just tried to emulate um, Spencer's um, screaming style because it's so healthy and he's been able to do it for years and years and he's one of the best doing it. So I would say those two, if those two had a baby. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. uh, After, after uh, three days, Grace lost Adam. It's just not, quite the same because no. his his singing was so unique and uh i hate that the the only time i've ever gotten to see see them it was after he left mm-hmm. so it's like gosh it's just not it, those songs just don't hit the same without I think he's actually in a new band is I he really he's it's called like oh god what's it called saint asonia saint asonia or something okay have to check that out. I have out. yet to check them out, but I know he's in a new band. But yeah, it's it's not the same. Like he has one of right. the most iconic voices ever. Yeah, definitely. In my opinion. And, and Spencer, you know, it, everything he brought to Under Oath whenever he came in was just like I, I haven't gone back and you know listened to the demo of uh, reinventing your exit that they mm-hmm. say is out there now with um uh oh, man what's his name Dallas uh from Maylene, whenever he was in Under Oath. Right. Uh, and I haven't gone back and listened to it, but Spencer just, when he came in and uh, They're Only Chasing Safety came out, it's just like, holy crap, who is this guy? Yeah. And and then when Define the Great, Great Line came out and he started getting more guttural, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, just like, holy crap. It's so, it's so good. So, so good. So, uh, be, all before this COVID, COVID stuff came out, uh, I know you toured a lot, you know, being a musician and all. So, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your best performance and your worst performance that you've experienced thus far? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've had, I, I think there are a couple of best performances that come to mind. Okay. And I think it was... I'll name two, or I'll name three of them because they they're just the the three that really just <laughs> stick out for Still, me. Yeah, okay. And it's always the most random shows that like you apparently have your best performance. Um, so I think it was in 2017 we 
had a little tour run with Protest the Hero. Oh, and awesome. Yeah, they're and they're like a Canadian band. I don't think they're actually very well known in the states, but it's cool that you know them because they're yes. one of my favorite bands ever. Sequoia um, Throne, best song. Oh, easily. And um, <laughs> so we did like a, 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 I think it was a five show run, and still to this day, that's like one of the best experiences of my life. Um, we played a sold out show in Waterloo, Canada, and I think. It was like, I want to say like 800 people sold out. And that to this day was one of, and I was really lucky because it's like sometimes the biggest shows you have the worst performances, but I was very lucky that day. I was feeling really good. And that was by far one of my best. Like you, ha you have nice. this like moment where you're just, you're just hitting everything and you're just like, yes. Okay. And that kind yeah. of builds confidence throughout the set. Right. So I think just the overall experience helped even even more with that. Yeah. And That's then awesome. in contrast, um, last June, we played three shows in the States. It was like a little weekend run. I think it was like Grand Rapids, um, Indianapolis, and i think like naperville near chicago so mm -hmm. it's like a little mid north midwest run and we played a little basement show in indiana and it was like the best performance i think i've ever had and it was awesome. in a basement <laughs> like yeah. oh, no. and but I, it was like the coolest thing ever because they they hosted shows there a lot and i think there was like maybe 30 people there but yeah it was like that night i was just like why am i singing so well why yeah. am i screaming so well I but it was like i guess everything came yeah. together huh yeah apparently Energy. yeah it was wild yeah so like those yeah those two and like you'll find your best shows in like the most random days so mm -hmm. yeah i guess those well, two if you like so there's a you guys haven't toured in South Carolina before, have you? Yeah. Have. Oh, okay. yeah. amazingly awesome. so, right? I was, I, I was shocked too. I was like, what? That's awesome. Yeah, we um, played um, New Brooklyn Tavern twice. Oh, yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. So New Brooklyn Tavern uh, around here is the mecca. It's a, it's a, like, go to, uh, you know, to, yeah. to go to it's a show. It's spot. And yeah. it's, uh, I was going to say, it probably feels like you're playing in a basement because that place is so packed and uh it tends to get very hot and kind of like especially those summer you know those summer shows and the humidity down here is so bad anyway so mm -hmm. everyone's packed in and they're hot and sweaty and they're kind of mm -hmm. irritable so like you get a you know band like norma jean i've seen norma jean there like three times oh wow and uh it's 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 just the energy is crazy and Corey brandon has said he's like every time we get an opportunity to come play new brooklyn it's it's like the CBGBs of the South, and that's so sick. I was like that that's that's such a huge compliment to be from you know forty minutes down the road you know this amazing venue and I hope to God it never closes down for any reason so right yeah well, it was a cool experience for sure awesome well there's a place that, um in uh in Atlanta Georgia that I know of I I forget what it's called uh, I think it's called like the Masquerade or something. 
And they have like oh, yeah, like, that's the spot in Atlanta, right? For sure. And I think they have like three stores of uh, three stores of uh, of um, uh, rooms, and it's like heaven. They call it heaven, purgatory, and hell. And I guess each one gets a little <laughs> smaller as as you go down, which kind of makes sense. So yeah, so yeah. So I've been I, I've been to the masquerade like twice, but uh, but there all their shows was outside because I saw like Megadeth or something. And it was a fantastic cool. show. Yeah, but they had to do it outside because bigger than brings a whole lot of stuff with them, a whole lot. So it can fit mm-hmm. in the, can fit in the hell um, aspect of the you know building. So, what's been your worst show, or have you had any? Oh, worst show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Oh my. Okay. Hands down. So, um, this year, unfortunately, like shows are not happening. But right. the oh, only yeah. shows. The only shows we were able to play this year uh, was really early in January. Uh, so we flew out to the West Coast and we played six shows down the coast. And this year I've been experiencing like a couple vocal issues, I think just from overwork. And it's all healed up now, like I'm good now. But back in January, like I was doing a lot. So we were touring, I was recording. And the the night that we played in san francisco um my voice just completely went like i and i can't explain why and well i can't explain why it was because (laughs) i was extremely fatigued and just completely overworked so um there's there are a couple benchmarks benchmark songs that i know i can consistently sing well and one of them is solace uh, from Red Handed Denial. So mm-hmm. I can always deliver that song. Right. But in San Francisco, that was the one night that I literally could not sing it. And it, it was such a mind rattling moment because yeah. like being a singer, it's such a, it's such a personal thing and it's such a vulnerable position. So if you know your voice is not working, it's very yeah. nerve-wracking, very nerve-wracking. So I got through the set, but immediately after, like, I just fell apart because, you know, people come out to your show and it's probably the first time that they've seen you and mm-hmm. you you know that you didn't give your best. And that, to me, feels worse than knowing my voice is shot. Like, I hate letting people down. Right. So, yeah, yeah um, definitely. Yeah. But... I don't think it was as, I mean, it's never as bad as you think, but yeah. you know, we're, we are our own worst critics, but, um, that night was just horrible for me. So sorry to everyone in San Francisco. Oh, no. I'll be back soon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, with, a, with a very, very badass show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think well, every happens. singer goes through that. Like it does, you know, every, every I, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean everybody has a bad day, you know. It's just uh, it's yeah. just a matter of how you choose to look at it, you know. So exactly, yeah. and even the best of the best have their have their uh, bad shows. Oh yeah, shows. yeah, totally, totally, yeah. yeah. Do you uh, uh, have you ever heard of a band? They're not around anymore, but a band called uh, Sent by Ravens. Oh my no, God, they're so great. So Sent by Ravens was a band from Hartsville, South Carolina, um, that started kind of getting some recognition and started growing a little bit. They got signed to tooth and nail 
uh, they were touring with like Emery and Under Oath and um, they were starting to open for some pretty, you know, big name bands. And it was, it was cool because, you know, these guys were just down the road and then, you know, they come and play in our town, you know, and, and it was, it was cool to see, but I, you know, you're talking, talking about a, a night where you're not feeling like it's your best. Uh, mm-hmm. They were playing at New Brooklyn and uh, went to go see him one night. And dude, I don't know what was going on, but the singer, um, his name is Zach. I think he just had one too many, I guess. Oh. And he just kind of was stumbling around on stage a good mm. bit, was just not hitting the notes like he used to and right. was forgetting the words and stuff like that. Like, it was just like, Oh man, this, this rough. really, yeah. it's, it is rough. And you feel for him because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've had, you know, moments where I've, I've been felt like I was kind of off when I, with my playing or whatever. And you, you have this idea of what you were going to do. And then you go blank. <laughs> like it's just, mm-hmm. I, 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 I totally, totally get that. Even to the point where I have dreams about it. And, uh, oh yeah, it can haunt you for sure. I had I had one last night. Um, I'm I'm scheduled to play this week at church, and uh, it's been about two weeks since I played. And um, you always worry about like getting rusty or like God, I wish I could play every day, just keep this momentum going. And uh, the big thing that happens with me with the dreams is there's something always wrong with the drum set. So mm-hmm. it's either it won't like, <laughs> know. you know, you're hitting your kick drum and it's just sliding out and then you can't reach it yeah. or the stands aren't staying tightened up and stuff's falling down. Last night, it was a dream that my drumsticks were too big. Like they were the size of baseball bats. And <laughs> oh wow, um, right. So it's like, Oh my God, where's the sticks at? <laughs> and, uh, and then I'll have, uh, then, then like I finally like got rid of those and I grabbed some more and they were made of paper. So it's like, there's no, <laughs> there's no in between. And, uh, so I, do you ever have dreams like that where, you know, you're, you're kind of psyching yourself up before it ever happens? I can't say I've actually ever had a dream where say like I open my mouth and nothing happens. Like, yeah. I don't think I've ever had a a nightmare where it was relating to singing, yeah. which is very, very interesting to me. And I, I actually want to look into that, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's, that's interesting that that happens to you. Yeah. It's, it's weird. <laughs> I'm sure there's like some type of dream interpreter I can mm-hmm. go to about this sort of things. But, uh, so what was the last show that you attended before COVID? attended yes Hmm. yeah it's probably last year i haven't been to a lot of shows because i've been playing a lot of shows so right um that's a very good question (laughs) because i actually don't know i i do recall last summer i think i saw architects but i might be wrong cool no 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 it was panic at the disco okay oh nice i I think but like i just have i've been to so many concerts that like i just don't remember when it happened yeah Yeah. they all could have happened yesterday (laughs) (laughs) but um i realized like i haven't really attended a lot of shows because i've been playing a lot of shows last year but that's good yeah that is good good, yeah 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 but um i was supposed to go to 
um, Slipknot and a day to remember. Oh um, man, that's right. I forgot about that. In July, I yeah. think it was in July. Yeah. I was supposed to go to that show, but you know, COVID nineteen. Yeah, stuff didn't pan out. But, yeah, that's true. That's cool. Oh. So. Well, what was the last show that you played before? Yeah. It was in Scottsdale, Arizona, in okay. in January. That okay. was the last time that we played. Nice. And we were supposed to play in February. We were supposed to play three shows in February. But that was when I I was having my vocal thing, and I we just decided, you know what, let's just give Lauren a little bit of a break, and mm-hmm. I don't regret it at all. But um, <laughs> yeah, Scottsdale, Arizona was the last time we played, yeah, and that was January. Okay. Okay. Early January, not even late January. That was like so. Not even like, like when it started kind of breaking out. Well, this is hilarious, but but not really hilarious. Like, it's actually really scary. But (laughs) on that tour, so early January was when um, they were detecting COVID-19 in Mm. the States for the very first time. So I think um, the first time they found it was either in Portland or Seattle. And Mm -hmm. it was almost like the detection of the virus was following us down the coast. So we were following the news and... The, the day after we would leave a city, we'd see on the news, oh, COVID-19 in San yeah. Francisco, COVID-19 yeah. in San Diego. And it's like, is the vi- are we the virus? Yeah, like, no way. <laughs> we were yeah. like, is this real? So um, that was a little bit scary. And I don't, obviously no one took it seriously at that time. Right. Um, and then we looped back around after Scottsdale and then we went to the NAM show in um, Anaheim, which is like a big, big convention for musicians. And Tyson, who's the drummer in, in Red Hand of Denial, me and him, we are convinced that we got it from. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're convinced because think about conventions. They're like a cesspool for no, germs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, absolutely yeah. We got home and Tyson got very sick. I got pretty sick. And we're like convinced that we got COVID nineteen very early. <laughs> oh, oof, yeah. and um, did you get did did you get yeah. tested right after you knew that that you thought you had it? Well, like they weren't doing tests until oh, like yeah. April. Okay, so we wouldn't even have had it anymore. So I'm I'm like I'm probably gonna get an antibody test at some point yeah. to see yeah. if maybe it can detect if I did have it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's who knows we could have just yeah. had a cold right like right, we yeah, don't even right. know because it i definitely wasn't experiencing like severe symptoms that we know about now right but, um yeah. i'm gonna look into that <laughs> cool. well, yeah so i have uh, a very 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 important question to ask you, sure. do, you do you like pickles <laughs> <laughs> I do. So pickles are the <laughs> dude. I hate. I told pickles. you we had to scratch it out. Yes. No. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Hey everybody! Thank you so much for listening to the first half of this interview with Lauren Babick. Make sure you tune in next week for the second half of it. You've been listening to the When Words Fail, Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.